0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. In today's episode, sitting down with Jason Phillips, head honcho at Phillips Home Improvement. This guy is extraordinary, someone that I admire, look up to, and been following online for a while. Finally, had an opportunity to sit down and really just kind of poke around and grab some golden nuggets that I think all of us are going to benefit from. Uh, he is a uh, just a wealth of knowledge, ready to share, ready to give. Uh, such an awesome leader in our industry so I hope you get a lot out of this actually I don't hope I know you will listen to it twice guys thank you so much for checking out the Contractor Secrets podcast this episode starts right now contractors all over the world are wanting more more time more freedom more impact the way we do this is through implementing systems processes standards Welcome to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Here, we hit business strategy, coaching, mindset, motivation, the tools you need for success. So strap in, listen up, and get ready to grow on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Three, two, one, we are live. What is up, everyone? I am here with the Jason Phillips. You've seen him around town, or at least on our internet uh economy, uh sharing his wisdom, his knowledge. Uh he is the head honcho at uh, Phillips Home Improvement. <clears throat> you know, just seeing seeing what you've built, your brand, uh your leadership style. One thing that stood out to me, Jason, was uh there was a picture you put up of your first office. I remember seeing that post. Um, humble beginnings man just one of those things another thing that stands out about you to me is uh you know you've mastered consistency and i don't know if you're still doing it i'm sure you are is this workout routine that you haven't missed a day uh that was incredible especially during covid so these are things that i looked at from the uh from the sidelines someone that didn't really we haven't really connected but i've admired you from afar so thanks for joining me on the pod man
1: i am glad to be here tanner
0: so, one of the topics that uh, you're passionate about and why I, I asked you to join was something that, you know, we've all at least been through, maybe even for a brief stint or, uh, you know, maybe we're in it right now is, is contractor prison. So, I'll let you take it away, man. I'd love to hear maybe a brief synopsis of your story just for those that don't know you. Um, and then I'd like to get into uh, what this contractor prison thing is for those that are maybe in it or don't know they're in it.
1: Well, I. S- I started my company like like many out there. I didn't have a dollar to my name. Matter of fact, I was in huge debt. I was working for a company that wasn't paying me, wasn't running the business right. Coincidentally, they were also in the painting business, and it was it was it was terrible. Now, my wife and I were going <laughs> to our parents' houses and grabbing groceries out of the you know out, out of the out of the pantry so we could so we could feed our our small family at that time. We had one daughter. And I'm, I'm going way back at this point, and you know it, it wasn't fun. There was a lot of pain, but when I, when I started my company, I had a lot of time. I had no money, hmm. and so I was very restricted on, on what I could do. So I, I had a few more bucks left on my credit line on my credit card. So I went down to the Office Depot, bought some cardstock paper and a printer copier machine, and I printed up some flyers and some business cards. And I went out on, uh, I picked a neighborhood and on one sunshiny spring uh, that year, I I went and knocked on like almost 300 doors and made four appointments, came back, sold three of them that evening. And the last one I sold on that Monday and boom, I was in business. I used my first deposit to buy a power washer and already had a crew lined up that had all of their equipment. So I was in business. And so I was now trading my time uh, for money and, you know, soon, soon after that, I, uh, you know. The wife got a newer SUV, which she needed, and the kids had shoes on their feet, you know, and and things were looking good. I was money was flowing, but before you know it, I had no time. I was missing dinners constantly, working seven days a week. I mean, sixteen plus hours a day. Just it was a grind, and nobody taught me how to do this. You know, I, I just I started with with grit, right? And I think grit's an important part of of what we do in this business but at some point you don't want to have to survive by grit for your whole life you know and uh i I ended up in this place i call it contractor prison because if you don't have if you don't have money you don't have freedom sure if you don't have time you don't have freedom but when you can get time and money in in a business sense okay you now have freedom There's more to freedom than just time and money. There's health and relationship and faith and all that stuff, right? But in the business sense, uh, it comes down to time and money. And uh, I just I came to this point, Tanner, where I'm just like, man, I can't keep going. I had this I had this moment, you know, one night late. Just I just I had this moment, and tears were streaming down my face. Like, man, something's got to change. I was I was giving I was giving my business, the very best of me and the most important people in my life were getting the leftovers. Hmm. And that wasn't fair. And Tanner, I see so many small business people, especially contractors in that same spot that I was in. And I want to help them get to the other side like I did because life is so much better on the other side of that.
0: It is, man. What a what a story and what a mission. Um, you know, and you said some cool things that I want to maybe zero in on because I think the trade off is so important. I think anyone listening to this that's in that world probably got the big light bulb uh, when you mentioned how you know you achieved what you had set out for. You have got success, and I think from a masculine standpoint, and this doesn't say that female business owners can't achieve this, but when you're providing, you kind of put time with family off of the back burner because we're providing and we finally got some steam and especially in your situation where you're at a point where you know you're asking for food versus getting a new suv shoes on the feet and it's like we're in, in motion so much that uh sometimes we you know think that we're doing something good when on the back burner that need that other side of life needs to be held up too maybe even in in a in a higher capacity so I would like to know, you know, as many others probably listen to this. What how, what changed, man? Like, what what was the big epiphany after you did that? How did you How did you fix this?
1: Well, it came. You know, th- there was there was this night, and I that I'm working after midnight. I don't. I do not even remember what I was working. I was working on the computer. Could have been I was, could have been designing my CRM, working on marketing materials, or whatever it was. And music was playing in the background, and that song, you know, "Cats in the Cradle" came on. And it tells a story about a little child, a boy that wants to spend time with his dad. And his dad's like, I'm too busy. Not now, son. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And then eventually, that that uh, they both grow older. Dad retires. Now, son has a career. And dad wants to spend time with his son. Ugh. And his son's like, maybe tomorrow, dad. Maybe later. We'll have a good time then. And that was me. I was the guy constantly saying, not now, son. Not now, son. Not now, honey. To to all the most important people in my life, and at that at that moment, Tanner, and after midnight, sitting at that desk, I felt like an utter failure hmm. complete. And I made a decision that night that I was gonna that i that I had to do something different. so I, I needed I had two paths I could go. Um, I could either pull back, work less, make less, and be miserable. Or my other option was to build a team. Hmm. And I decided to build a team of people. And I'm so glad I did. And I, I built my company up. We had a lot of success. And then I, I completely wiped it clean and started over and built it right another time. Okay. So, yeah. Let's talk about that. I
0: want to know what, what was the, first of all, getting to a place of success for many people, you know they hold on to that really tight, so that must have been really hard for you to have achieved achieved success in whatever you know definition that was for you. Which it sounds like it was a place of balance, but then you realized that maybe you were doing something different. What was that thing that you had to change?
1: Well, there's there's I've been doing this now for 26 years this month. Okay, so there's been a lot of seasons, uh, but I got to this point. We were we were doing uh, 12 13 million in revenue. Okay, and I had. I had time making good money.
0: And this is, this is on a yearly basis.
1: Yes. Wow. And, uh, I had time had money. Okay. But there was still a piece missing. Peace of mind hmm. was missing. And have you ever, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there, you know, when, when you run a business, you carry a lot of weight and sometimes it's the weight of paying bills making payroll, taxes, paperwork, the cell phone ringing. Sometimes it's those things. Okay. But I, at that point, I felt like my business was so fragile because I didn't have a foundation of trust with my team. Hmm. And I had leaders, managers, and uh, frontline workers who were working on their own vision instead of on my vision. And and that's because my vision wasn't good. That's because I was a mediocre leader at that time. It was my fault, not their fault. Maybe I hired the wrong people. Maybe I led the wrong people. Ultimately, it was me. I take full account- accountability for that. And I just I realized that I kept hitting the ceiling because my systems uh, were not scalable. And uh, all of my systems that I built early on were built for me. And to help make me a personal powerhouse, which is what a lot of uh, owner operators do. But I didn't put them in a simplified manner in which I could like pass them off to the next person and have them run with it. Therefore, you know, I had like I had uh, eighteen or twenty sales reps, and they all had a slightly different way that they would price painting projects. Ah,
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So you didn't know exactly what you know what was going in there, and. I had inconsistent delivery of customer satisfaction. so I didn't feel good about that because that didn't represent who I was. and so i i I went on a I went on a terror of personal of self-improvement, of leadership growth, just chewing through everything I could to grow. And I tried to bring some people with me. some of them I, I, I could, and some of them I couldn't. But we went from like uh, right at 13 million down about uh, 18 months later, five million in rev annual revenue. No kidding. And wow. yeah, so that we we lost an incredible amount of money, and uh, then I started. Then I just rebuilt the foundation with with uh, leaders that I could trust, and and I just I have I have such a peace of mind now that I don't worry about turning my back on them. I don't worry about what they're doing when I'm not there. I trust them. They trust me. I believe in them. They believe in me. And, and the whole world is different. I went from this extremely toxic culture at my company. Okay. Again, the numbers were great, but we had a toxic culture and within a few short years was able to turn that around, uh, we, we, we won, you know, we've been recognized uh, two years in a row for being top customer satisfaction leaders in the nation. We've also, uh, uh, last year we won best places to work in North Texas. And again, this isn't me doing this and I'm not here to brag about me, but what I'm saying is, is it took a lot of courage, a lot of money, and I was willing to risk it all. Okay. For a good night's rest. And it worked. I did it. And I got to the other side of that again. So it was the contractor prison part, which was early on. I was just working like crazy hours and, uh, didn't have the time. And I broke out of that and I got it and we were at a new level, but ultimately I ran into, uh, I ran into ceilings because my systems weren't scalable. And I also ran into issues where I didn't have a foundation of trust on my team because I had a toxic culture and it all was me.
0: I'd like to know how does faith play into that?
1: How does faith play in that? That's a great question. So, believe it or not, I was, up until that point, my wife and I, we ran the children's department at our church, okay? And I literally had a dream one night that, uh, of me giving something to my leaders and them turning around and handing it to other people. And that was a message to me hmm. that I that the new season in my life was starting of investing and in, in my leaders and my team at work. And so I went in the next day, talked to my pastor, resigned, put in notice. And, uh, and that's when I started this whole journey. Hmm. I really believe my, my, my purpose, my mission in life is to uh, lead and inspire and equip empower uh, leaders and specifically home improvement contractors so that they, they can break free of contractor prison and live life with purpose beyond, beyond running their business. And that's one of those things we can get into this. Our business will, will take every bit of time we'll give it. It'll take all of our money. It'll take all of our energy. It will suck our life away if we let it. But in reality, what it should be, our business should be a tool that fuels our life's purpose with the finances that we need. Okay, the finances that we need. And, and you know, we all have, we all have a purpose beyond our business. And everybody's is different. And, and when we can discover what that is, and go after it, but if we're if we're in chains in our business, because we haven't set our business up, right, you know, we, we may have these, Tanner, we may have these uh, skills to build the widget you know, the, deliver the paint job, whatever it is. We know how to paint cabinets. We know how to paint this. We know how to paint that. We can get that down. Okay, but but the skills that it takes to run a business, historically, there's been no one teaching that to home improvement contractors, painters. We've got some great things going on now with the PCA. And there's, you know, there's great systems like drip jobs. It's helping the marketing and the, the CRM piece of it. But I'm going way back when none of that was there. There was, there was nobody to teach me how to do that. And, uh, and so many times, you know, we, 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 we spend our life making the widget and we don't develop the the business skills that we need. And further, we don't develop the, uh, people skills at the end of the day, man, we're in the people business. We're not in the painting business. It's, it's people who represent our company, people who deliver the paint jobs, people whom we're serving people on our team, unless you just want it to be you as the owner, if you love doing all of that and you don't like people, well, then, then you're doing exactly what you should do. But if, if you want to have your company be a source of revenue, an asset to you so that you can go and live your life's purpose, then we've got to We've, we've, we've got to be great at delivering the widget. We've got to be uh, great with business skills and great with people skills.
0: I look at the large amount of contractors, generally speaking, ages fifty and above, that are looking at their aching joints and have pain, and you know, not really sure what the future holds. I mean, as things get more expensive, retirement doesn't seem to be anything uh, achievable. Those guys, I I actually, you know, hurt for in a sense because they laid the foundation. You know, they've been doing this for thirty. You know, I have thirty years of experience. People are applying. For for jobs with me, um, with this much experience, very hard for them. They're kind of getting X'd out of the market because they're not staying up to date with the changes in the way people buy, um, you know, and I think there's some, some of those people maybe listening and I, I, you know, I'm curious, you know, you, you have someone that's a technician, you know, that term very well, I'm sure just somebody that's making the widgets, how, how like, what's the first step to make that transition on a, on a very, very, I would say, atomic level of just like how does somebody like what's the first decision they make is it to uh to find someone that complements their skill sets like in other words like if they're really good at the painting aspect do they find someone to replace them or do you think it's more beneficial for them to hire somebody that uh has maybe sales experience and they can take over that role like you know really like on a new on on a very small level what do you think that next move is
1: I think that Tanner is going to be slightly different based on the individual. And the first thing I would say would be to delegate the administrative tasks as much as you can. Okay, the, now the sales, the marketing, and the, the delivery of your product are vital components, okay? And ultimately, you're probably going to want to get off the brush off the ladder but you, that may not be the first move you need to make because you need to you need to hire people to to start doing that and you're going to have to develop some trust but the first thing would be to create some elbow room to get you off the job and then from there once you're mostly off the job there's there's a few main things that you're doing which are running projects not painting but running the projects and sales and from from there you might want to go one way or the other and i would i would recommend that you make that decision based on a, a personality assessment because some people that are great at sales okay your typical salesperson is going to be a lot different than your typical project manager the needs of the person the drive of the person and yeah. the needs and the rewards of those two jobs are vastly different from one another. So I would suggest, I would suggest, you know, if you had to give up one, okay, would I rather, would I rather run projects all day or would I rather run sales all day? You probably already know which one it is. Right. And at the same time, we need to not be mistaken to think that a salesperson is just Mr. Talkative.
0: Right okay
1: sales it, sales is not talking sales is asking questions it's mm-hmm. seeking understanding it's building trust and building rapport all of those things so don't think because you're you know you're you're not a real talkative outgoing person don't think that you're not a salesperson
0: when you do your initial hiring i mean are you involved in the hiring process in Phillips home improvement at all now
1: only for leadership positions
0: Okay. So for leadership positions, but I'm sure the same principles apply, right? For you that you've passed on to your leadership team to make hires. I'm sure, you know, in terms of what you guys are looking for, how are you assessing who's a good fit? You know, can you maybe take us through a little bit of what that process looks like?
1: So let me take you back a little further than that, Tanner. When my company was smaller and I didn't know any better, if you had a pulse, you probably had a job if you could start on Monday. And that was terrible because I hired a lot of people that were a terrible fit for my company. And I also hired a lot of people that were a good fit for my company. And I put them in a job that was not made for them, that they weren't made for. And therefore they got frustrated, they couldn't deliver. And I got frustrated and it just it, it just went down in flames. So today we have a, uh, a very specific process of, of interview questions. Everybody uh, takes a disc personality assessment Okay. because I know that there's basically two personality styles, behavioral styles that are going to succeed in sales at my company. And if you're not one of those styles, you, I may have a place in my company for you, but historically you're not going to succeed and you're going to get frustrated because the, because of the way the position is run. And, and, you know, a lot of people, they, they want to say, wait, what profile do I need to hire for this position? Okay. There's typically a good answer to that, but it's not just about hiring that right person or it's also about how do we, how do we uh, motivate? How do we train? How do we communicate with that person? Uh, Maybe not how we, how do we motivate them, but what are they motivated by and how do we adapt to that? How do we manage and lead and promote and correct that person? So personality styles, if, if there was Tanner, if there was one, if there was one tool I could put in my toolbox, if I could go back 25 years and put one single tool in my toolbox, it would be learning about personality and behavioral styles.
0: Yeah. That's so good, man. Especially, I think, because that keeps, you know, that gives you some form of data to make decisions off of. Like, and I think, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, like sometimes I'm gonna, I'm a little bit of an emotional leader. Like I'll, you know, hear, hear the story, hear the, uh, you know, and, and, and don't really use data in a sense to make decisions, but I think that's a good baseline. Um, cause in, in my business, you know, mostly the only hires I'm doing are painting painters right now, you know, we've, we've kind of have our management team and generally speaking, I like to hire from within for a leadership position. And I'm sure when you obviously scale to the position that you were in, you might've exhausted your resources and wanted to bring in outside help. That makes sense. Bringing this back down to the level of maybe the the people that are at my stage, maybe looking at personality profiles and things like that. Let's talk about painters. I mean, you said, you know, you gave some examples of how that would be great for a salesperson, but what about those that are looking to find good painters, good team members, you know, um, how would you use a DISC personality profile or something along those lines to identify an attribute, a good, solid attribute to a company?
1: So, okay, full disclosure, our painters are subcontractors. Okay, so but I'm so I'm going to talk about team members in general. Okay. For a moment. Sure. The first it's the first fine. thing the first thing we want to know is, you know, are they a good fit for our team at all in any position? Sure. Do they have a values match for us? And it takes it takes spending time either on the phone or in person asking a lot of questions, looking for clues and getting them talking. So many times when we're in the hiring process, we're trying to sell them on why they should come work for us. And we need to be letting, letting the applicant do more of the talking so we can discover more about them and see if, you know, increase our likelihood that they're a good fit for our team. Now, you know, in a painting position, uh, if you're doing residential painting, your painters are probably going to be interacting with homeowners, your clients on a fairly regular basis, maybe depending on where they're at on the crew. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're going to, you're going to want someone that has uh, somewhat of a friendly demeanor, but maybe they're not chatty Cathy either because those people, you know, if you get someone just wants to chat too much, they're never going to get any work done. Right. And, and a lot of that you can see, by looking at the disc profiles, the, the people that are going to be typically more, more talkative right now, some people, they're just, they're all about getting it done. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get it done. And those people will get results on the paint, but what they, what, what they don't always understand and you need to coach them through is, is it's not just about the quality of the paint job. Sure. It's about the customer sure. experience. Are they smiling when you're done? Were they smiling through the whole time? Were you pleasant in their home? Okay. When they asked you to
0: change the light bulb, did you grunt at them or did you, you know, understand? Yes. So you can
1: do a you can do an incredible paint job, and that one grunt all of a sudden, bad taste in their mouth. That's one thing they're going to remember. Agreed. And so you know a lot of that once you, you know, once you can identify what might someone's Uh, strengths and possibly their blind sides be you can at least coach them through it okay and you know there's there's one there's one uh personality style and uh it's it's called a results oriented these people get stuff done however they need constant coaching and reminders that they they typically may have blinders on and not realize that they're running over people along the way doesn't mean they have a bad heart it just means that their their eye is on the prize, and they're not noticing the people around them.
0: I think there's, you know, you run into that with a lot of people in the trade that like to work solo, and you have guys that want to build a team. You know, I, I talk to a lot of contractors that are interested in the idea of building a team of three, four painters working together, and you might get that guy that applies and he's worked solo his whole life for most of his life, and you know, I've personally had a crew member who, you know, the whole team would be following instruction and I'd be able to do my team meeting with them in the morning. And this was early on where I was still learning this stuff. You know, maybe you've, maybe, and I know you've had meetings where you could tell that one person's just not engaged. They don't care what you have to say. They don't respect you as a leader. They're so confident in their own abilities. What happens is, is they almost believe that like you need them more than they need you. And I had that in my business and I think something like that would have helped because you know ultimately uh it just created so even though that person's skill sets were needed and they're very talented what it did was it actually like hurt the morale of the team that person never uh you know went above and beyond if I called the other guys and said hey can you guys please stay an extra 30 minutes I really just want to get this job out of the way you know he's cleaning the brushes and leaving uh, you know, oh, I already put in my time, you know, and it's like they, you know, although yes, is he getting paid for his time? Is he doing what he's asked to do? Does he probably do more than everyone else? Does his quality supersede everyone else? Sure. But I had to make a tough decision <laughs> to say, you know what, in the same way, probably the same muscle that you use to say, Hey, I'm cutting my business in half. I'm going down to the roots. I'm going down to the foundation. I'm going to have to let this guy go, even though production is going to hurt you know, morale is going to go way up. You know, people are going to recognize like, oh, you know, and what's interesting is, is when you make the tough decision and you're on the other side of it, what happens? Everybody's happy and you're like, man, I should have made that decision a lot sooner. So personality, man, that's that's a big one. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up and giving us a tool to help us maybe identify this a little quicker.
1: You know, it, it does, Tanner, take courage to terminate a toxic top performer. And- it does. <laughs> But you'll be like exactly what you said. You'll be surprised the other people will either secretly or publicly celebrate and thank you and wonder why it took you so long. And guess what else they'll do? They will rise to the occasion. Agreed. And they, people want to see their leader protect their team culture, work with integrity, manage with integrity and not allow and not allow people that are reckless uh, and and closed minded to be on the team, sure. and you know it's one thing to say, you know, hey, he does a he 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 did what he was asked to do. Well, let's add, if if we reframe the expectation, your job is not just to paint, your job is to wow a client. It's two things: is to paint and wow the client. So now, and and is to be a great team member. Yeah. Okay. So now, have you done your job?
0: Yeah exactly and it is the end and again that's the culture of, of what they're in i mean i think many look dude you know honestly you i and you know some of the people that we interact with these business owners actually care about this and what's 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 happening is there's a wave of customer service and being just as important as the quality of the work 10 or 15 years ago you know your painter shows up whenever he wants you know you heard he does good work no follow-ups no communication. Uh, you know, they do one room, leave, go to the next job, come back. And no one cared. It was one of those things where that's the norm. It's almost like, you know, uh, how the, uh, the land, uh, improvement services, you know, you hope that they show up when they show up, they bring the dirt and if they level it out, you know, you're lucky, you know, before it rains, like it's just one of those things, but with the painting space, I think there's a wave coming. And I think the problem is, is that people that work for those dirt companies, They're not used to that. Right. So when they get interviews and they uh, acquire or or apply to different positions, when they hear that and that you're referring to, um, that's weird. It's like, you know, that's never been something they've had to actually care about or implement. So with the painters in the same breath, you know, we're getting uh, applications and things like that, making it a point to emphasize, like, you're not just here to paint. You're here to create a customer service experience. How would you handle this scenario? And I ask those questions, man, and I think it's valuable. You know, if a customer asks you to screw in the light bulb, how would you handle that? What's the time where you went above and beyond outside of what you were expected to do? You know, like really just trying to emphasize, like, I want people that aren't just running out of the house at the end of the day. Um, just some things that I've learned, but I'm sure, you know, in the same breath you've been through with all your experience, this, these same things. I'm at a much smaller level than you. I admire what you've built. Uh, But I think even as you grow, the the same problems could occur. You just have better systems to handle them, right?
1: You know, if if you think about this, like, let's take the screw in the light bulb. Okay, let's look a year down the road when they want more painting done. Sure. And they remember that, they remember that moment. Did they do, okay, if you did it, they may not even remember it. But if you were grumpy, they're going to remember it. And they're probably going to go somewhere else. It's important that every single member of our teams realize who really pays the pe- the, the bills, who really makes the paycheck. It's the customer.
0: Oh yeah, it it's comes the to them, and we just we just divvy it out.
1: <laughs> and and every time you don't thrill a customer, yeah. all of a sudden your marketing expense just went up. Your yeah. Google stars go down. Okay, the amount of money you've got to take to get the same amount of leads goes up. Yeah, and 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 helping us as business owners, one, we need to understand it, but we need to make sure our people understand it as well. And, you know, we measure uh, uh, NPS on our projects and we can drill down by, that's net promoter score. We, we have minimum acceptable standards for our net promoter score. And anytime we get uh, a negative, okay, We are investigating what happened and we're having accountability conversations with people. And sometimes it's like, hey, we dropped the ball. I mean, sometimes we're not perfect. We're far from perfect, but we are striving to wow every client.
0: Customers will be okay if you're willing to fix it, if you're willing to be there. If you avoid it and you start deflecting and, you know, I went to a job the other day. Um, it wasn't to our standard. I think, you know, it was one of those things where maybe I put a little too much pressure on the job time. The cut in lines were not what they should have been, but what I love, man, and and this is such a good example is that I brought it to their attention and without me even having to ask, there was the approach of don't worry, I'm going to go back and fix it from who was responsible. And in the same way that I love that as a leader, I think our customers love that as well. And that's the culture, man. That's what culture is about. You know, I, I, I think uh, you know everything you're saying is so valuable. I hope anyone listening to this picks up what you're putting down. These little treasures of wisdom. Um, you know, as we as we close, uh, I, I kind of want to uh, get you for a few more minutes on personal development. I think as a leader in business, I think personal development is so important, physically, mentally. Can you just kind of give us some uh, tidbits of your routine, maybe some things that you're doing to stay, stay fresh, um, maybe some boundaries that you've put in place personally um, to help you achieve the success that you've gotten on a personal level? Could you kind of give us some Absolutely. Of the, uh, nuggets, my friend?
1: You know, Tanner, I, I realize that uh, the lid on my business is me. I also realized that I can't do and achieve what I want for our vision on my own. And I have to be on my game and my, there, there's a, there's a, there's a formula and it's uh, I think it's, in, I think it's in ecology, but it says that learning, the rate of learning needs to be greater than the rate of change in your environment. So L for learning and environmental change is EC L must be greater than EC. Mm. So I, my environment is changing, you know, people aren't changing, but the ways in which we market, the ways in which we run our business and all of those things are changing and I need to be growing faster than that change. So if I am just sitting still stagnant, I'm actually moving backwards. And so I have to go forward
0: default, moves backwards in that case.
1: Yes. So, uh, one of the things, I mean, on a personal level, uh, Having my routine, I'm 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 not a very structured guy, okay. But I know when I keep certain things on routine in my life, I have freedom to do everything else I want. And uh, I like to go to bed at the same time. I I hate waking up tired, so I'm most productive in the morning. I don't like waking up early, but if I go to bed on time and get a good night's rest, I wake up early and I go through a ro- morning routine. Um, I'm a, I'm. My optimal day is I'm up two and a half hours before I'm at work. And so I, I get up, I, I, make some, I, I make my morning drink, which is hot water with a full blended lemon in it and a little bit of salt in there. I drink that, have a cup of coffee. I stretch. I walk on the treadmill. Um, I do some morning affirmations. I read my Bible. I pray. I listen. I journal. I think. I dream. I dream. And after I've done all of those things and organized, re- reviewed what I have laid out for my day, the two most important things I've got to get done for the day, at that point, I may check through a few emails, maybe respond to some messages online, and boom, I'm out the door. So I need to protect that time to get all of that done. And then the rest of the day is easy.
0: Fantastic. I think that there's a uh, foundation that takes place in the morning, every morning that uh if you set your day up like that every day i think that's a reflection of what you've accomplished and part of the reason why i invited you here man is because again you 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 you, you're a giver You, you you share a lot you uh you've hit a really extraordinary peak in business and that's not easy even you know what i've achieved is so hard like it's hard it's really hard i mean just the 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 people the processes the customers being spread thin having to create change had uh, had not we known what all would entail of owning a business before we started, many of us probably would have opted out. Um, the headaches, you know, now that business has changed a lot since you started it. I mean, before the only business that would ever get done was when you drove to the office. True. Correct. Now it's in your pocket, you know, <laughs> I mean, That's you right. know, so, um, you know, there's a, there's a big shift there, but You know, Jason, man, I I appreciate you for coming on here and sharing what you've learned and uh you know just getting a tidbit of what goes on to to make that that size company tick, but it's more important the leadership behind it. Um any final thoughts for the uh, for the listeners?
1: You know, the sky is the the sky's the limit. If 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 you are wanting to make your life, your company better, and and I like like I say, break out of contractor prison. There's really three keys. Grow as a leader. Build a team of great people and empower those people with simple, repeatable systems. Hmm. It's a it's a simple framework, and with dedication and doing it every day, you can make some progress and really uh, make make the life that you want.
0: How can people get a hold of you, Jason? Uh,
1: the best way is just uh, go to Jason W. Bio. Bio. Jason W. Phillips. Phillips has two L's. All my links are on there.
0: Awesome. Jason, thanks so much, man. Hope to have you around sometime again soon. Uh, And again, you know, anyone listening to this, please maybe even listen to it twice.
1: Thanks for having me today, Tanner. Of course,
0: man. Hey, thanks so much for checking out the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Stick around. I am going to drop in a short testimonial uh, that one of our awesome heavy hitters in Drip Jobs uh, had agreed to give out for us. So if you want to hear a little bit about how Drip Jobs is helping contractors, stick around. Uh, for the end of this episode, and you can listen it real quick. What's going on, everyone? I'm here with Randy Smith, DuraPro. You may have heard of him if you listen to podcasts. He is someone that did a business breakthrough with me, and is also a Drip Jobs user. I'm just gonna start off, man. You know, you're doing this for me, um, and Drip Jobs, of course. I just want to know raw thoughts about what the software's done for you. It, are you a fan? Um, do you hate it? Uh, what What do you <laughs> What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, man, I, I absolutely love it. Um, Definitely what I was looking for in a software and a CRM, like before drip jobs, I had, I I can't even tell you how many different like softwares I was trying to use and manage to accomplish the same thing. Um, And it was just a headache. And then now just having the all in one is a big thing. And then from there, my, I mean, my favorite thing is really, I feel like it's just taking my sales process, you know, to the next level. Um, and as far as, you know, communication, the biggest thing is like the speed of communication yeah. um, customers love. I mean, nowadays with Amazon and everything, yeah. like everyone's things now they're used um, to it. Yeah. So like, yeah. for example, yesterday I had, you know, someone fill out, see my Facebook ad, they filled out the request. And it was at like 4.30 PM and I was leaving the job site and they, they said today worked. So it was like scheduled for 6 PM, drove over there and showed up. Mm, so it's that like quick. yeah. within an hour, you know, they've got an estimate and their hand on the spot. Um, That's powerful. So yeah, it's definitely taken the sales process to the next level, yeah. which is big. And, and I love the, the customer portal. Like it's just super professional and you know, you can, throw all the details in there. It looks really nice. Um, being able to present it on the iPad. Um, are you, so
0: are you selling on the spot?
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah man. I, I yes. love selling on the spot. I think it just
0: you getting people to squiggle on the, on the, with their finger on the iPad.
2: Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think it just makes your close rate go up, you know, having just drip jobs alone with, um, the East, like the how easy it is for them to sign with you. Right. Cool. You've got, ipad out they can see everything um they can put their credit card info um which is which is big so that that's probably my favorite part is just you know it gives me that confidence that i know i feel like we're the most professional company um compared to the competitors, and you can kind of sell your jobs for more um you you go into estimates you know with a different mindset like knowing that hey we're we're going to be the best company for, or option for our target market. Um, yeah. And you just have that confidence. And um, so that's wow. been one of my favorite parts of it. Um, and then on the other end too, just, I love how I'm building up a pipeline um, and I'm not missing any leads. So obviously like we're all busy with contractors, phones blowing up. It's sometimes it's tough to, to not miss leads, but with, with this, you know, it, everything's goes right into drip jobs into those cold leads. I don't have to worry about missing them and they're getting those follow ups. Um, and it kind of is helping me prepare for, you know, the downturn because of, you know, right now it's like, Oh, everything's booming. You know, phones are ringing, but I know that that doesn't always last forever. So being able to prepare, um, have that pipeline of leads building up. So when you are yeah. slow,
0: you can reference it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Have
0: you used the blast feature yet?
2: I have not yet, but it's a good feature.
0: Dude, every time I hit that blast feature, I get something. You know, yeah. and, and for those that are listening or watching that don't know what that is, what, what he's referring to in terms of the pipeline is like you can have you have a pipeline of every person that you've given a proposal to or every new lead that has come through that maybe hasn't converted to an estimate. And all you got to do is hit one button and you can send out a message to just those people. So you can imagine if you have a hundred people that you've given proposals to that haven't told you yes or no, or haven't opted out of communication, right? You can just blast them a message saying, Hey, just reach it out today. We can give you 250 bucks off your proposal. And every time I've done that, I've gotten at least two or three jobs. So I use it sparingly, of course, when you need it, but it's just good to be able to do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. that, but I'll have to, that's definitely- huge. I love
0: uh, I love what you said, man, because there's an interesting thing about what you said in terms of, um, well, number one, selling on the spot, right? Creating an experience. But, you know, dude, when, when I made this, it was out of frustration, right? Great things come out of frustration because I know like you got to have the full circle from the initial intake to the final goodbye. So um, in terms of what your customers, like how are they responding to the drips? Cause some people tell me, well, I don't want to follow up too much. Like I think it's annoying or, you know, automated people think it's a robot. Like what is some of the feedback you've been getting in terms of like the responses people have when they get a drip email and it's like two weeks later or whatever.
2: Yeah. I've, I've gotten only good feedback from it really. I mean, I'm sure it's annoyed a few people that, you know, ended up not being our customer anyways. Right. So it's like, hey, you, you're never going to make anyone, everyone happy. Right. Um, but overall, I think people appreciate um, the communication, like in the trades in general have, have gotten a rap for, you know, not answering the phone, not getting back to people. So I think being able to showcase, hey, we've got a system in place where, you know, we're organized, we're on top of it, um, and we're communicating with you, you know, from the second you reach out to us all the way to wrapping up the job. Um, So I've, I've gotten good feedback from it for sure.
0: That's huge, man. That's huge. So last question, bro. And again, thank you so much for your time. If you could let someone know who's on the fence, you know, and usually everyone's on the fence when it comes to new software because everyone promises that it's going to solve their problem. You know, can you give them a piece of advice?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's a no brainer. Like it is, has saved me shaved hours of workload off my week. Um, I guarantee that it's made me close way more jobs. Um, yeah. I feel way more organized, more professional. Yeah. It's just, especially at the price point, it's like, yeah. I mean, I would, I would spend $1,000 a month on it. You know, it's like- Watch it. it. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I appreciate also, the honesty. But no, I, I just have a lot of good yeah. things. Thank about you, it and, um, yeah. You know, and for it you to take out.
0: time out of your day, bro, it means the world, you know? Yeah. You get a little gift, little gift bag, but it's like, dude, your time's valuable. It shows that you really care. shows that we've done a good job as a company, giving you something that you rely on where you cannot think about what's going on in your business. You trust us. And we take that so seriously, man. So thank you, bro. You're killing it. Um, me and you just discussed a business breakthrough. So if you guys want to go back and listen to Randy, what was it like five, six months ago? It was quite a while, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Had yeah. To be. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. How's business going? Good.
2: Yeah, it's going, going great. Sounds sure. good.
0: Sounds good, man. Well, I look forward to chatting with you, brother. Thank you for your time. Get back to doing what you do best and uh, we'll see you soon.
2: All right. Sounds good.